This is That's Another Story Told, the podcast. The author, the narrator, the short story. Together they dance in your ears. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of That's Another Story Told uh, with me, Ian Pringle. In this episode, uh, both myself and Sarah Jane Rose record a story for you. And these stories are from a challenge we set ourselves on our sister programme, The Stuff of Stories. So you can listen to that, um, The Stuff of Stories, just look it up on your podcast platform. And if you listen to episode two of that, you'll hear Sarah and I talking about oral storytelling and our experiences of telling these two stories. I chose a Grimm's fairy tale, which I told, and uh, Sarah chose uh, a a story that she created based on some real-life information. Um, The challenge was to just tell those stories straight, without stopping, without editing, or any of those things that you would normally do when narrating a book. Um, I managed to do that, and Sarah... Well, she actually cheated a bit. Anyway, have a listen. It starts with me, then Sarah. So once there was a fisherman and his wife, and and they lived together in what I can only really describe as a toilet. Their dwelling, it it was a stinky, messy, horrible place on the shore of a sea. Um, which was the only good thing about it, really, because the fisherman, he could go off fishing whenever he wanted to. So that was the only useful thing about where they lived. But everything else about it was pretty horrible, really. Yeah, most of you wouldn't want to live there. It's not a very nice place at all. So anyway, one day the fisherman had gone off fishing. And it wasn't a particularly good day for fishing. He'd had no luck. It was a very calm day and the sea was very, very quiet. And towards the end of the day, he thought, I think I'm going to give up and go home, go back to the toilet. But before he went, he cast out his line one more time, and he cast it out, and he began to reel it in, when suddenly there was a huge tug on the line, and something pulled, and he pulled against it, and he reeled it in, and he thought his luck was in, and he reeled in, A lovely, big, beautiful, sparkling, shiny flounder. And then he got out his stick, his his special stick that he used to use to knock the fish out. Um, And he lifted the stick up above his head and just as he was about to knock it out, he heard a little voice. Don't! What was that? He thought. Don't! Please don't kill me! He looked down, and this flounder was speaking to him. Sorry, what do you say? Please, don't kill me. I'm really a prince, but I was enchanted and turned into a flounder, left to live the rest of my life in the sea. Please don't kill me. The fisherman thought for a moment, and then he said, Well, you're the first talking fish I've ever met. I'm certainly not going to kill you. And so he took the flounder off the hook and let it back into the sea. Then he walked home. When he got back home, his wife asked him, How was the fishing, love? 
not so good, he said. I didn't really catch anything. Oh, well, <laughs> there was one thing, the strangest thing. I caught a flounder, and then it started talking to me. It started talking to you, said his wife. Have you gone mad, husband? No, honestly, it was speaking to me, and it told me it was a prince, and it was enchanted, and it asked me to let it go. And did you? Yes, of course I did. You great big idiot. What you do that for? Well, he was a prince and a, and a talking fish. I wasn't, I wasn't going to kill a talking fish. No, but didn't you ask it for something? No, I didn't ask it for anything. God, you are a fool, man. The fisherman didn't like to be called a fool, but he knew what his wife was like when she got angry, so he chose to not retaliate. Go back and ask that fish for something. Well, what shall I ask it for? I don't know. Well, look where we live. I know. Ask it, ask it for a lovely cottage, you know, a lovely, comfortable cottage that we can live in together. So... The fisherman didn't think this was a great idea, but rather than argue with his wife, he set off back down to the shore. When he got to the shore, he didn't really know what to say and wasn't quite sure how to get the fish to come back out. So he came up with a little song and he said, Flounder, flounder in the sea, come out, come out and talk to me. And quick as you like, the fish just jumped out of the water. And it said, Hello, what is it? The fisherman said, Well, I'm very sorry to bother you. And I know, you know, we met earlier and I caught you and I let you back in. Well, I went home, I spoke to my wife and she said, Did I ask you for anything? And, and I said, No, I didn't ask for anything. Anyway, she thinks that because you're a prince that you might be able to grant us some kind of wish or something like that. But, you know, I'm... Absolutely fine if you don't want to do that because, you know, I, I really feel like I've wasted enough of your time already. And the flounder said, What's her wish? And the fisherman said, Well, um, well, she said she'd like a, a cottage. Go home. She's in the cottage. So the flounder swam back out into the sea and as he swam, a tiny, tiny little bit of blood dropped down into the water. So the fisherman went back, and true enough, there was his wife in the cottage. Come in, come in, she said. So the fisherman went in, and it truly was a lovely, comfortable little cottage with a couple of rooms, a nice fire roaring, it was warm, it was pleasant, and it didn't smell of piss, which was nice. His wife showed him around, showed him the garden and the lovely picket fence all the way around the garden. And they sat together for some time and had some lunch and looked out around them. And then his wife looked a little perplexed, a bit confused. The fisherman was worried. What's the matter, wife? he said. Well, I'm growing tired of this cottage, she said. You know, why should we just have a cottage when some people have huge lawns and forests? I don't want a cottage anymore. I want 
a mansion. I want to be Duke, and I'd like to have a mansion, like a duchess, you know, with a huge garden and one of those big drives with all the trees along the drives. I want one of those. So the fisherman said, well, you know, I think we're very lucky to have the cottage and maybe we should leave it at that, don't you think? And his wife said, no, go back to that flounder prince and you ask him for a mansion. So he did. Off he went down to the sea. Flounder, flounder in the sea, come out, come out and talk to me. And suddenly the flounder jumped out of the water. What is it this time? I'm so sorry, Prince um, Flounder, sir, but my wife, she, she wants a mansion now. Go home. She is in her mansion. And with that, the flounder swam back into the sea. Went back into the sea. And this time, the fisherman noticed that the sea had a slightly green tinge and it was a little bit more choppy than the last time he went down. So anyway, he returned home, back to his wife, and there she was, standing outside the gigantic doors of a mansion. He walked in, and there was butlers and servants and people running around with food, and he went into the main eating space, and there was his wife sitting at the end of a long table on a very grand chair, and she beckoned for him to sit at the other end. Sit down, husband. Help yourself. It's lovely. And so he did. And it was lovely. It was very nice and very comfortable. And that evening he sat in a chair with his feet up by the fire while servants brought him food and drink and everything that he could possibly desire. And he turned to his wife to smile. And then he saw that perplexed look on her face. She was gazing out of the window. She said, Husband, look at all that land around us. Why can't that be mine? You know, I want a palace, and I want to be king. <laughs> well, you, you, you can't be king, wife. You, you, you can't even be queen, and you certainly can't be king. I want to be queen and king. Now, Go and speak to that prince and grant my wish. I want a palace now. So, not being one to argue, off he went back down to the sea and he said, Flounder, flounder of the sea, come out, come out and speak to me. The sea that day was very choppy. The waves were huge and there was a wind blowing that was cold and cutting. And there was a distinct dark green and reddy tinge to the water. It did not look like a nice place to be. And out popped the flounder, looking less shiny, less regal than he had before. Indeed, he looked very tired. What does she want this time? I'm very sorry, Your Honour, but uh, she said that she would like to be king and she wants a palace. She is king. So, he went back to the house, which was a mansion, and was now a palace. 
a great big gleaming palace and he went in and he walked past armed guards all the way up the drive who held their swords aloft as he walked under and in he went into the main hall and there sitting at the end of the dining hall on the biggest throne he had ever seen it was so tall he had to look up to see her was his wife the king come in husband sit down there she said she'd started to speak quite posh now because she was the queen the husband didn't really know what to make of it all but he could see that she had a lot of power and he better just do what she told him so he sat down and they ate together that night they went off to bed and the husband very tired after all these trips to and from the lake and the sea and all of this different upheaval that he dealt with this day he he um he slept very soundly indeed his wife however did not sleep at all she did not sleep at all the next morning at breakfast the fisherman was very much enjoying his beautiful English breakfast with everything he could possibly want served up on a beautiful warmed plate with eggs and sausages and bacon and fish and porridge and granola and um, cocoa pops and all sorts of different things that he wanted. It was there. Everything he wanted, he got it. Um, the wife was not touching her breakfast. Are you not hungry, wife? No, I'm not hungry. This is not enough for me. You may be satisfied with this, but I want more. It's not enough for me to rule this land. I want to rule the empire. I want to rule a whole strip of land. I want to rule the world. I would like to be Pope. Go and get me the Vatican and make me Pope. So, off he went back down to the sea. Flounder, flounder in the sea. Goodness me, God, it's windy out here. Come out, come out and speak to me. And the waves smashed against the shore and the sea looked almost purple in colour. And out jumped the flounder. Well, kind of hobbled out really because he really wasn't looking very well these days. A little bit peaky around the gills to say the least. What does she want? I'm very sorry, Your Highness, but she says she wants to be Pope and she wants the Vatican. Go back. She is Pope. So he went back and there she was in the centre of the Vatican City, surrounded by all her underlings. And there she was, sat at the top of the tallest, tallest, tallest throne you could imagine. The fisherman, he looked up and he could barely see her in her white robes at the very top of this throne. And so they sat together for some time and things went quiet and his wife shouted down. She said, I am growing accustomed to this power, husband, but it's not enough. Why should I just rule the land? I want to rule the sea, the heaven, and space above us. I want to rule everything. Husband, I want to be God. Bring me heaven and make me God.
He raised his eyebrows, rolled his eyes, but of course he was in no position to argue any more, and off he went, back down to the sea. The sea was a riot of foaming green and purple and red. Flounder, flounder, in the sea, come out, come out, and speak to me. So out came the flounder, looking on death's door, the poor creature. What does she want now? Flounder, I'm so sorry, Prince Surf, Mr. Flounder, Your Honour, but my wife says she wants to be God. Can I bring her heaven and make her God? Go home. She is back in the toilet. I'm Sarah Jane Rose. So, this is the story of the murder of Charles Walton. Valentine's Day has never really been the same in the small village of Lower Quinton in South Warwickshire after a strange murder which took place among rumours of witchcraft and black magic. The murder victim at the heart of this gruesome and strange tale was 74-year-old Charles Walton, a farm labourer who'd lived in Lower Quinton all his life. He shared a rented cottage opposite the village church with his niece, Edie. The cottage is still there today, although it has been converted into one large cottage. Despite Charles's advanced years, he would always help out in the local farms, right up until the day of his murder. Charles, it was said, was well-liked within the village, although he was known to have some unusual traits. It was said that birds would flock to him and feed from his hands, and that he could tame a wild dog just with his voice. He was also a real countryman, full of tales of the old ways. It's said that some villagers believe that he might have been involved in witchcraft simply because of his strange knowledge and apparent abilities. On the day of his murder, on the 14th of February 1945, Charles was tending hedges on the hill ground at a field at the bottom of Meon Hill. He had a pitchfork and a trouncing hook. Meon Hill itself is surrounded by strange tales and has been for many centuries. One quite famous legend from about the 8th century says that the devil kicked a boulder from the top of the hill with the intention of smashing the recent-built Evesham Abbey. However, his deed was thwarted by the prayers of the locals, and instead, the boulder fell on Cleave Hill, which is outside Cheltenham. People there then carved the stone into the shape of a cross to rid it of evil and the devil's touch. There's another version of the tale that says the devil threw a large clod of earth to smother the newly-built abbey, However, the Bishop of Worcester saw the devil and, with the power of prayer, altered the devil's aim. In this version, the clod fell short of its target and is what formed Meon Hill. 
There is also a legend about phantom wild dogs or hounds of the Celtic king Arwen, which hunt the hill at night. The king was said to ride a pale horse, accompanied by a pack of white hounds with red ears. There have been many sightings of mysterious black dogs on Meon Hill. And that's where Charles Walton was last seen, and where his body was found. When his body was found, the villagers were shocked at the scene of a brutal and unusual murder. Charles's trouncing hook was embedded in his throat, and his body was pinned to the floor by a pitchfork. Witchcraft was suspected as a large cross was carved into his chest. It is believed that this represents someone who believes themselves to have been put under a spell and is taking revenge. So in this case, the victim, believed to be the witch that cast the spell, was given the sign of the cross by the person taking revenge. There are other witchcraft connections in the case as well, because the pitchfork itself represents hayforks which had been used before in the murder of witches. And also, during the investigation, one member of the police found a book called Folklore, Old Customs and Superstitions in Shakespeare Land, written by J. Harvey Bloom in 1929. There was a passage in the book which stated that a Charles Walton died in 1885 after seeing a ghost. Rumours of the more recently killed Charles Walton being involved in witchcraft and possibly being the same man as the earlier victim still endure. This case was so important that investigations were led by Scotland Yard Detective Inspector Robert Fabian, the very same inspector that went on to inspire a television series called Fabian of the Yard, which made him one of the first police heroes on television. This crime, however, has never been solved. And the community of Lower Quinton still refuse to talk about the crime. Although there is obviously no evidence of witchcraft continuing in Lower Quinton, there is still one witch in residence. She sits as a weather vane on the house behind Charles Walton's old cottage. Thank you for listening to Another Story Told, the podcast. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you do, then please subscribe because you'll get a new story every week. If, like us, you want to celebrate new authors and narrators, then please share this as far and wide as you possibly can. Maybe you have a story of your own that you'd like to submit. To do that, just look at the show notes and all the information you need is there. Thank you.